0: a great friend of mine, um, Bronson Duke, who came in from downtown Little Rock today. He's going to be sharing the word, and I'm telling you guys, make sure you have something to write with today. It's going to be powerful, and if y'all would, welcome my friend, Bronson.
1: Good morning. How is everyone? Y'all doing well? Hogs won yesterday. Got a bold, bold guy down here wearing a Mississippi State shirt. All right. Uh, Bronson. Uh, Like Seth said, my wife and I, we get to to pastor uh, the church in downtown Little Rock. We planted that church five years ago. And uh, it's a blast. We, we love it. Uh, we, we've got a super diverse church down there. Uh, I remember the first time I, I was preaching and people started standing up. I'd never seen anything like that and started yelling back at me. So if, if you do get a little rowdy, I can handle it. Okay, I'll probably feel more at home uh, if, if that happens. But uh, we're honored to be here. We, we love your pastors, uh, Seth and Kendra and the whole team. Uh, Seth is the real deal. In um, the word, it says that a good shepherd uh, leads with a staff and the rod. And the staff is for the children and the rod is for the enemies. And th- this guy knows how to do battle and prayer. Uh, he knows how to lead well and lead his family well. And so I just love you, Seth. I want to honor you and uh, Kendra and thank you for, for inviting us in. Uh, You know, I'm going to kind of kick us off into the book of Acts. Um, Y'all are going to be studying this a bit this semester. And so we're going to look at Acts chapter 1. But interesting, one of the most interesting parts of the Bible is the story of Philip when he teleports. Y'all know that story? It's one of the craziest things in the whole scripture. He teleports down and like evangelizes to an Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, last night, Seth witnessed me teleporting uh, into the 1990s. (laughs) I I forgot. So I I went to take him from where we were staying to drop him off at his house. And uh, I forgot my cell phone. And so like I got out of the house and I had to navigate, I don't know my way around Fayetteville at all. Uh, And so I immediately got lost. I like went to an empty cop car, like knocked on the window, like trying to find somebody to tell me how to get back. And then I I, I considered stopping a car on the road, like flashing my brights and stopping them. I was in a minivan, so I'm like, I'm probably not that threatening, Uh, you know, Um, but eventually I I found my way back by the grace of God to Seth's neighborhood and uh, Seth did not answer the door. He, he was asleep, and so I was knocking on the door. I'm like, I don't want to ring the doorbell and like wake his kids and his whole family up. So Andrew lives directly across the street, and so I went over and I saw his TV was on, and so I kind of knock on the door, and it goes really quiet in there. And I, I knock again, and it, and it goes quiet. And he doesn't come out. So, like, I go back to Seth's and finally ring his doorbell, wake his entire family up, like, get him out. And we look across the street, and Andrew comes outside like a man on a mission. Like, he's looking around the house, like, holding holding his, his holster aside, you know. Uh, and so, what, what I didn't know is, like, while I was knocking on the door, they were getting armed, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And, and I, 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 I didn't know why. I leaned over to look at his ring doorbell to see if maybe they'd recognize me. But this is what they saw. <laughs> I was putting off some serious Ted Bundy vibes, and uh, he got some weapons, and so he, he, he was ready. Uh, anyway, this is my family. Go to, the, go to the next slide. Uh, that, that's my wife, Callie. Uh, she is my best friend. Uh, We do ministry together. We have done ministry together now for 13 years, and uh, we're going to do that the rest of our lives. We're side by side uh, doing that. That's my daughter, Georgia. She's the apple of my eye. She is the most beautiful child in the world. I will fight you on that. Uh, And then those are our twin boys. We had them in December. uh, Pray for us. Callie did not sleep last night, but she's here, and she is beautiful. Uh, That's Roman up top and, and Judah down low. And so I I love them. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here with you this morning. Y'all glad to be in church? Good. Um, Okay, I'm here to bridge the gap. Last week, if you missed it, Pastor Seth taught on the Great Commission out of Matthew chapter 28. And he talked about the call of Christ is for us to first be disciples. Another word for that, Dallas Willard says that we're called to be apprentices to Jesus. Can everybody say apprentices? Okay, so if you wanna be a great woodworker, what do you do? you apprentice under a master carpenter. If you want to be a great electrician, you apprentice under a master electrician. If you want to be a great leather worker, you apprentice under Seth Tomboli, okay? Uh, But if you want to be a great human being, you apprentice under the master Jesus the one who designed us and who breathed life into us. And this is the call of Christ is for us to be apprentices and then go out and raise up and teach others to do the same. And so the, the book of Acts is the story of the people of God walking in the call of God. Luke is the author. He wrote another book. Do you all know what it's called? Yes, we've got some Bible scholars in the room. Uh, The Gospel of Luke is how Jesus lived, his ministry, his story. The book of Acts is how the early church lived as a response. It was written to a guy named Theophilus. Y'all say Theophilus. Theophilus. Uh, Although this is certainly a name and a person, the adjective at the root in the Greek means loved by God. Don't you love that? The book of Acts is written to those loved by God. God. The first part of the book of Acts is the honeymoon period for a new spirit-filled community of God, which ends abruptly with opposition and persecution from the Jewish authorities. Then it expands with evangelism through the conversion of Saul, now called Paul, and moves to a worldwide ministry to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? that be us, right? Uh, the message of the book of Acts is that God has filled his people with his spirit for his mission of redemption and renewal to go out into every corner of the earth. In this book, we, receive, we will see revival, healing, works of power, hypocrisy, unspeakable loss, but at the same time, unstoppable hope. What we'll eventually see is, is total transformation of the world as people knew it. Every time throughout history, that the essence of the gospel has been understood at a wide scale; it has been transformative for a society. You can see this in Rome. We're, we're going to unpack that here in a little bit. You can see in the 1800s through the Welsh revival in Great Britain. And so, what we have to ask ourselves is what was at the essence of this community of faith? What was at this? The, what was the essence of this community of faith that brought total transformation? To the Roman Empire. How did a ragtag group of nobodies, like nobodies, transform the greatest power the world had ever seen? That's what we're gonna dig into. But our aim is be, to be transformative. How do we do it? It starts with me. Everybody say it starts with me. So here's the question we're gonna seek to ask this morning What does it mean to be a spirit filled believer? What does it mean to spirit, be a spirit filled believer? I wanna give you a working thesis for this morning if you're taking notes. uh, They'll have it on the screens. Here's what it is. The pattern for every spirit-filled believer is to wait for God's timing, to witness to God's power, and to live in such a way that causes people to ask questions for which the gospel of Jesus is the answer. My sermon title this morning is The Gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, We have Cheyenne over here. Uh, She's going to read the word for us. But here's what I'd love to invite you to do. Uh, Can we all stand to our feet for the reading of the word? We want to give honor with our posture. We want to stand. Y'all, this is the most powerful moment in the service we're about to hear God's word, like God's word to us, like what he's speaking to us read aloud. And so here's what I wanna encourage you to do. As she reads it, follow along. It'll be up on the screens if you guys could throw it up there. And, and, and start to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you wanna to speak to me through this? Start to look at the text critically, see what's in there, and then we're gonna read through it together. Let's. Once
0: when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive the power, or you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling everyone about about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said... Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the providence of Asia, Phyria, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Arabs, and and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other, but others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk. That's all. And this is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it's written to us to instruct us to live well. God, we ask that you would speak to us. God, we just honor you. You're the creator of all things. God, we thank you for sending us Jesus. God, we thank you that he lived a life we could never live. Jesus, we just honor you in this place. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you were sent to empower us and lead us into all truth. We love you, God. It's in your name we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. Hey, you can be seated. So this summer, thank you, Andrew. See you, man. See you in about 20 minutes. <laughs> uh this summer, my wife and I we went and traveled. Has anybody ever been to Charleston, South Carolina? Yes. It is like one of the most beautiful places in the country. Okay, so I'm from Augusta, Georgia. I'm a Georgia Bulldog. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I know. Uh, it's life is good right now, though. Um, I pray one day, you know. Um, so we went. We went to Charleston. My sisters moved there, and y'all, it is gorgeous. Like the, the neighborhood she lives in, I, I had to guard my heart, okay? Like they, they ride around in golf carts and they've got like a dock where you can put into like a saltwater tributary and like my nephew's like catching crabs and like living this incredible life. And so we got to come in and just glean from that life for a little bit. We, we spent a week there for the 4th of July and my daughter Georgia had the time of her life, all right? Run around with her cousins and, and have a blast, and one day I came outside and they just got done with a water balloon fight, as you do, right? And uh, I, I caught Georgia, she, she, she was apparently thirsty, and instead of drinking the Capri Sun that we'd left out for her, she was lapping water out of the bird bath like a dog. <laughs> and I came over, she's three, I'm like, baby girl, like we, we, we've got water, all right? We've got Capri Sun, come over and drink this, and she's like, okay, daddy. Comes over, I kid you not, 30 minutes later, I go inside. I find Georgia in the bathroom with a medicine cup that she's using as a shot glass and she is drinking toilet water, okay? <laughs> like baby girl is a survivor, but we got to work on her standards. And I promise you guys, we provide water. There was four feet away on the counter was her water cup. You know, we, we laugh at this, but don't we do the same thing? Like we, we have what we need available, but we go to other sources to get what we think we need. We go to horoscopes to learn about our futures. We go to the Enneagram to learn about our identities. i step on some toes this morning. We go to Instagram influencers to learn about the good life. We settle often for influence and popularity when God has offered us spiritual power. The, the question we have to ask ourselves is why do we do this? I believe, at least for my life, maybe you can relate, it's because God's timing just does not make sense to me, right? Or it doesn't happen in the time that I want things to. Confession, I struggle to wait for an overnight package to be delivered. You know what I'm saying? Like, some of these delivery services, you can follow the truck. I, I will go out and find that truck. And I'll act like there's medical, medical supplies in the package to get. I'm just confessing. Don't judge me. <laughs> but I, I am a psychopath when it comes to tracking packages. Sometimes they'll say, like, could not deliver, right? And I'm like, oh, I was standing by the door. I will go find you the next street over. I, I cannot wait. I am shameless. I hate waiting. And almost all of us do. Amen? Isn't it wild that the first thing Christ told the disciples to do was wait with no timeline, right? He just says, wait, this would have driven me crazy. Look at this, Acts 1 verse 4. On one occasion, while he's was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. So, so here's the question we have to answer. Why did they have to wait? I'll answer that question with another question. How did a group of 120 marginalized people living under Roman occupation come to become the dominant people group within 200 years? Let's look at the failures of the disciples to like, outline this miracle a little bit more. Matthew 20. Jesus just got done teaching about how the servant is the greatest among us, right? If you, if you want to be the greatest, become the least. And two of the disciples go to their mother and say, can you go to Jesus and ask him if in the new kingdom, in his kingdom, we can sit on his right and his left. You know, this is like having your mommy go to your boss and ask for a raise, right? It's pathetic. Next, Peter, right? Peter's... Peter's failures are many, right? He cuts a dude's ear off. Jesus is like, what are you doing? And then he tells him, hey, dude, you're going to deny me three times. And then he does it, right? He was a coward. These men went from fumbling all over themselves, totally missing it, to leading with authority and power and carrying a message and a movement that we are still a part of today. So, the question we have to ask is what changed in them? They received power. True power, like the world had never seen, the power of the Holy Spirit. And it totally transformed them. Peter went from being full of pride to being shockingly humble. John went from being a son of thunder to authoring some of the most profound teachings on living a life of love that have ever been written. They preached with real authority and humility. They healed the sick and pioneered the greatest movement the world has ever seen, the church of Jesus that we are still a part of today. What we're going to see here in Acts is a prayerful people patiently waiting for the power of God. So let's jump into it. Point number one, if you're taking notes, we receive power. Can you all say power? Power. When we wait for God's timing. Acts 1, verse 4, second half of it. He commanded this, do not leave Jerusalem, but... Wait for the gifts my father promised. The mark of a true believer is someone who can prayerfully wait while still trusting in God's timing. The mark of a true believer is someone who can prayerfully wait while still trusting that God is working. Here's the truth. Spiritual spiritual power comes when we patiently wait for God's timing. I've got an illustration for this. If you guys could throw this up. Who knows what this is? Yell it out. It's a yield sign. People in Little Rock apparently don't understand how, how this works. And so I, I'm going to explain it to you guys, although I, I know you've got it. Uh, a, a yield sign is there so that when you're coming up to it, you wait and watch what the other person is doing, and you base your movements based on them, and you come in behind them. Y'all, God has called us to wait, but he's, he's called us to do it by yielding and watching to see how he's working. Jesus was telling them they had to wait, they had to yield to God's timing. Do you want to know the, the the secret strategy, business people? The secret strategy to the greatest movement the world has ever seen? It was prayer. They prayed. They waited. It's patient prayer, unhurried and trusting. God, look at the temptation of Jesus in Luke 4. If you're not familiar, what's happening here is Jesus is led into the desert, into a desolate place by the Holy Spirit to pray, fast, and be in solitude. No food, no water, just prayer. And think about that. No food or water for half a month, just prayer and solitude. And the Bible says, and Jesus was hungry. Isn't that like the greatest understatement in the Bible? Then the devil came to tempt Jesus. I've always read this. I wonder if you have too. Like the devil came in when Jesus was weak, right? I've been reading this wrong. Here's what the devil misunderstood and what for most of my Christian life I misunderstood. When the devil walked in, he was walking into Jesus' arena. He was walking into Jesus' place of strength. He was hungry, but he was full. The wilderness for Jesus, the place of prayer and fasting, was not the place of weakness for Jesus. It was his place of strength. Jesus had spent 40 days in prayer and in deep communion with God. Physically, he was hungry, but spiritually, he was as strong as he could possibly be. I feel like this is something that we've lost in the modern church, that through prayer and fasting, we don't become weak, we become strong. If we're really honest, I want you to ask yourself this question. Where do you go for strength? Like when you reach the end of yourself, what do you reach for, for confidence and security? It could be self-confidence. Like you look in the mirror and you're like, you know what you've accomplished? Remember who you are, right? reminding yourself of all that you've done. It could be substances or even sex to try to bring us the peace that we're lacking. It could be relationships with others to try to fill the gaps we feel in our lives and our insecurities. The the devil tempted Jesus in all the ways we are most deeply tempted to find soul satisfaction. The devil tempted him to satisfy his flesh, Turn these stones into bread and eat. Jesus said, I am sustained by God's word. When I'm at the end of myself, I don't go to food, I go to God. He tempted him to satisfy his ego. The devil said, worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus said, I will not compromise and give up my allegiance for success. I worship the Lord God alone, no matter the timeline tempted him to satisfy his insecurities, throw yourself from the temple so people will know you are God's son. Jesus said, I won't put the Lord God to the test to prove to me what he's already promised me. Yo, know, how can he live like this? And how can we? He cultivated a deep life of prayer and patient yielding to his father. Yo, know, listen, we are all tempted to shortcut God's timing, especially when tragedy strikes. What are you waiting for? And how well are you waiting? Could be for healing. Like you have a physical issue. Could be for direction and purpose. Could be for strength to suffer well through a trial. Could be for a friend or family member to be saved or freedom from a struggle or a stronghold. We can all relate to that. How do we have hope and wait when everything seems hopeless. We have to remember what God has already done and trust that he will keep his promises. So when you are waiting, remember. When you are waiting, remember. Remember what God has done in your life, and the lives of others, the testimonies in the word, and trust in him. Do not trust in yourself. You will fail yourself 10 times out of 10 times. Don't trust in substances. They cannot satisfy you. And in fact, in the long run, they will rob you of the very peace that you're searching for. Don't trust in others. They cannot sustain you. Trust in the Lord God. Christ faced down all of these temptations. And let's look at what happened when he did Luke 4, verse 13 and 14. Luke 4, verse 13 and 14. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And look what it says After he'd finished the temptation, Jesus returned to Galilee in what? In the power of the Spirit. And the news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. When Christ was emptied of himself, he was filled with the power of the Spirit. Listen to me. God meets us in the waiting. I've found, speaking to Christians in the room, that the times that I am not walking in God's power, It's because I'm full of myself, right? God's humbled me in a number of ways. Anybody testify to that? You've had God humble you. Um, When when I moved to Arkansas in 2009, I'd been a worship pastor at a church up in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, I got a job as the master of the custodial arts, all right? Or the janitor at our, our greater Little Rock campus. And I'm telling you guys, I was the worst maintenance guy slash janitor the church has ever seen and maybe the world has ever seen. There are still scars on that building from the things that I tried to do to it to fix it. I'm telling you, like there are holes I drilled in the concrete that will just never be the same. Uh, and every week I had to auto scrub this 5,000 square foot building in all the polished surfaces. And the entire building is polished surfaces kind of like what you're looking at. And so that's what I spent like at least one full day of my week doing was just auto scrubbing, like cutting the grass, you know, auto scrubbing this building. And one day our leadership internship was sitting in the foyer and one of my life group guys was sitting on the couch and I saw the whole thing happen. He was kind of like watching me, you know, and he pulls out some gum out of his pocket. He unwraps it, throws it in his mouth, wads up the gum wrapper and throws it in front of the auto scrubber. And he goes, hey Bronson, you missed a spot. And y'all, everything within me just like went nuclear, right? I wanted to be like, you have no idea who I am and like what God's got planned for me. This is not where I'm gonna be forever. I wanted to rebuke him, everything in me, why? Because he stepped on my pride, right? And in that moment, I'm like, I'm sick of auto scrubbing these floors. God, I feel like he called me to plan a church. What am I doing? And I felt the Holy Spirit, i in that moment, one of the times I've heard God the clearest say to me, Bronson, if I ask you to scrub these floors for the next 10 years to develop you into who I've made you to be, are you willing to do it? And one of the few times I've got it right in my life, I just had a humble moment where it was like, yes, God, I'll wait. I'll do it. You know, in order for us to walk in the power of the Spirit, we're going to talk about that next, we have to be emptied of ourselves. yo. Know, This is totally contrary to the ethic of our world, right? Have you ever heard of expressive individualism? Expressive individualism. This is the ethic of our world, which is like if you express yourself, you you will find your true self. And what the Bible says and what Jesus taught was the total opposite, which is if you will deny yourself, I'll bring you into who I've called you and made you to be. We have to empty ourselves of our selfish ambition, our self Glorifying, empire building and be filled with love. Transformative, selfless love. This is the constant, listen to me, this is the constant work of the believer is to crucify the flesh and to walk in the spirit. Your flesh will always puff you up but the spirit will always humble us. So number one, we have to wait for God's timing. Number two, we have to receive power. We receive power to be witnesses to God's glory. Acts 1, verse 6. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set these dates and times. They're not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. This is, this is the table of contents for the book of Acts, if you like to study You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, okay, let's unpack the gravity uh, of what Jesus is telling them. Uh, before Pentecost, which Pentecost is a time where they celebrated Christ or, or Moses uh, standing before God and receiving the Ten Commandments. And if you're familiar with that story, he shone with the glory of God when he came down off the mountain. And so this is a time where they celebrated the presence of God being amongst God's people. And what this promises is, is, that the Holy Spirit won't just come upon you, but it will live in you. So he, here's why this is absolutely amazing. All right. In the Old Testament, if you read in the stories, like Samson, are you all familiar with the story of Samson? Right? He got bound up by Delilah, and she eventually cuts his hair. What it says, if you go in and you look, when she bound him with ropes, when he kept telling her the ways that that would not rob him of his power, it says that the Holy Spirit would come upon him, the Spirit of God would come upon him, and he would break what was binding him. It actually says that the Spirit of God came upon him to rip a lion limb from limb. I want that power, right? Like, if I'm honest, like, God, give me that anointing. Like, give me the lion ripping apart anointing. What Jesus promised them and what we're reading about is something that is literally earth-shaking, like physically earth-shaking. Christ was God incarnate dwelling among men. The coming and the gift of the Holy Spirit was God incarnate dwelling inside of men. Let that blow your mind for a second. The God who spoke and the universe came into being The God who formed man from the clay, the God that created everything, the universe, the master of the world wants to actually live inside of us and speak to us and dwell in us and guide us and lead us and empower us to live the life of love and true freedom he's called us to. More on that in a minute. And to live a life of meaning and purpose and mission. Everyone say purpose. Here's what this is about. What we're about to read is not just for one group of people 2,000 years ago sitting in a house. This is a promise to every person who claims the name Christian who has ever lived and who ever will live. You know, there's so many different experiences of the Holy Spirit, right? All of us could probably tell stories of, like, people jumping over pews and, like, slaying people. You know, that's what's going to happen at the end. Uh, don't just w- wait until I get my kerchief. Uh, <laughs> We've all seen those things. But, but what I believe is when the spirit of God moves, it should be the most natural thing we've ever experienced. It should be naturally supernatural. It should bring us into alignment, and it should be like, oh, this is what I was created for. Because sin and brokenness distorts humanity. How often have you heard somebody make a mistake and say, I'm only human, <laughs> Right? We were created, if you read Genesis, we were designed for perfect relationship with God, walking with God hand in hand in the cool of the day. We are created to be the very image bearers of God who build and who bring life. Okay, are y'all with me? Romans 8 verse 9 says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. You know, what we see here in the book of Acts most likely will not be repeated multiple times. We're most likely not going to experience it in the same way. But the promise is to us all the same, that we'll receive the same power. Acts chapter 2. Let's look back at this text. On the day of Pentecost, which remember this is a day where they celebrate the coming of God's glory. All the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring or mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. The Holy Spirit gave them ability. And they asked, let's jump down to verse seven. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed, these people are from Galilee. Now, what I want you to pick up here is this is pejorative, all right? They're like, these guys are from Galilee. Like, it's a bad part of town, okay? And we hear them speaking our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Let's enter this text. Can we do this? Can we enter this text and kind of feel around a little bit? I think one of the best ways to do that is to just kind of imagine experiencing it, right? So imagine there's about 120 people in this room. Imagine we've come together and we're praying. And all of a sudden, this building starts shaking, right? And like a wind starts blowing through this building and all of a sudden there's fire, right? And that fire comes down and lands on each one of us. We would be like, something's happening. You know, like something crazy is going on. And all of a sudden we start speaking languages we do not know when we could not know. And then some of us in here who have heard, actually we have some people here are from other countries, start hearing the gospel in their own language, the good news about Jesus with perfect dialect and clarity. Callie and I were missionaries in Hong Kong for a while, and we tried to learn Cantonese, it's one of the most difficult languages. They, they, they don't really just speak it. They have tones. They kind of sing their language, right? Which we have a phonetic language. And so for us, it's about what you say. For them, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. Are you all tracking with me? So like I'd have a cab driver and he'd say, where do you want me to take you? I'd say, teen you, hoi? And he'd go, huh? I'd say, teen you, hoi? And he'd go, huh? And I'd show him on a map. He'd go, oh, oh teen you, hoi? And I'm like, that's what I said, you know? <laughs> The the Galileans notoriously had a dialect that was a swallowed sound, okay? And because of this very specific regional dialect they had, it made it almost impossible for them to speak other languages with clarity. They massively struggled with this. Everyone knew this. The first miracle I want you to notice this. The first miracle of the power of the Holy Spirit to empower believers was to empower people to do something they could never do on their own for the glory of God and for the spreading of the gospel. You'll listen, the same spirit that rested on them rests on us. And so what can we logically deduce from that? If that is true, God has called you and you and you To walk in things, even the Mississippi State fan down here, (laughs) he didn't even laugh. (laughs) To do things that we could never do on our own and in our own strength. God has said, I will supernaturally empower you to do things you could never do. What had happened is, y'all, the Jewish dysphoria, so like when they were exiled, if you're familiar with the exiles, Jewish people were shipped all over the known world and they learned other languages, they learned other cultures and they would come back to Jerusalem one time a year, a few times a year for festivals and Pentecost. All these people came in here and they learned the good news of Jesus from this group of people. Y'all, God will use each of us as individuals to do things that will change our lives and the lives of the people around us if we will yield to God and we will trust him and we will let him work through us. Y'all listen to me. The people, the person that you know, that is the furthest from God. I want you to think about that person. Like you've wondered, like, are they the devil himself or maybe the antichrist, right? Maybe. Maybe. Like like this person is vile and has hurt you, has maybe traumatized you. What if I told you that the Holy Spirit may well empower you to reach that person, to tell that person about Jesus' love, and that that person might become regenerated and find new life and have a relationship with God and be transformed? Yo, God is totally capable of empowering us to do that and reach other people if we will pray, we will wait, and if we're willing to walk in the greatest power that the world has ever seen, the power to love. Y'all, listen, it is probably not gonna be through your incredible gospel presentation, although I'm sure you've got your Romans road ready, right? I can almost guarantee you it's going to be about the way that you show up when nobody else does. It's going to be about the way that you turn the other cheek when they've hurt you and you love them anyway. It's going to be about the way that you forgive the absolutely unforgivable and the way you sacrifice for people. Yo, know, when I was 18 years old, 19, 18, 19, um, my, my story is I had a drug addiction. I got caught up in uh, the, the pain pill epidemic, the the uh, narcotics a- epidemic we're still in. Uh, but I started taking pain pills when I was 14 years old. And by the time I was 17, I was a full blown addict and went through re- rehabilitation. And as I was going through that, one of my family members who I previously used with, I went back to visit home. I had moved away. Have y'all seen the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? That's my life story. I got in a little trouble. My mom got scared. She sent me to live with my auntie and uncle in Columbus, Ohio. And so I came back and, uh, I wanted to spend some time with this person. And so I jumped in the car and boom, they took off like a shot. And I could tell they were not in their right mind. They were still using. And this person drove me about 20 minutes out of town into the middle of nowhere and pulled out a Colt 1911 out of his hoodie and he stuck it in my face. And he said, you've betrayed me. I have no idea what I've done. And he says, if you ever do it, I'll kill you. And he says, and if you ever tell anybody about this, I know where your mother lives, I'll kill her too. Y'all, this, like this was someone that I trusted um, that was supposed to take care of me and nurture me. And, and I was like, just shattered. Like emotionally, um, just talk about numb and I was afraid to tell anybody. So I carried it on my own for about a month. And finally I broke down and I told my aunt and uncle, and I went to therapy, praise Jesus for therapy. I had an incredible Christian counselor who helped me walk through that. But during that process, I relapsed, um, stole some pain pills and got caught and uh, was totally exposed. And by God's grace in that process, I got radically delivered from drug addiction. I was sitting with my best friend and I said to him, I said, I'm an addict. I'm always going to be an addict. This is something I'm going to struggle with for the rest of my life. And he looked me in my eyes. He says, you are a son and a child of God who's loved by God. That is not who you are. It's something you struggle with. And y'all, it was a moment where I could like hear, when we sing, like hear the chains at the ground, like I had one of those moments. It's incredible. And the first thing the next day when I went into prayer that I started feeling the Holy Spirit lead me to do, was to forgive this person who'd hurt me and to reconcile with him. So I went to my pastors and my leaders and I said, I feel like God's asking me to do this. Will you pray with me? And about a month later, I traveled back down to Augusta, Georgia. My sister set it up. I sat on the back porch and he walked outside and he saw me and he broke. And I got to go up to him and I got to hug him and say, I know this was not you, that you have a sickness and a disease. And I just wanted, want you to know like God's changed my life and I love you, and God loves you, and we cried together, and a week later, I took him to rehab, and he started his process of getting clean, and loves Jesus. He's still got his struggles. He's still got his stuff, but he's in the process. Yo, know, God will use us in our most broken places for his glory if we will let him, and in the process, he'll transform your life. He'll bring you into all that God's called you to be, but if we hold on, our bitterness and our anger and our unforgiveness, that's justified. We won't see it. While we were enemies of God, Christ died for us and God's called us to emulate that exact same thing. You know, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I remember I grew up in the South. I grew up in the Bible Belt, right? (laughs) I was a good Christian kid who loved to smoke weed and do drugs, Right? And I remember hanging out with this guy one night. We're like doing cocaine together. And he's like, I'm an atheist. And I'm like, bro, you gotta go to heaven. You gotta go to heaven. We gotta talk about this. But there was nothing in my life that was submitted to Jesus. So I went through my own process of, of getting clean. Now, I remember the night that I got saved, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I woke up that next morning, and y'all, there was ice water in my veins. There was steel in my veins. Did I still have issues? Did I still have stuff I was battling? Yes, but I wasn't battling it alone. And there was a spiritual power that I had never experienced before. The world made more sense, y'all. If you have never experienced that, you can. Submit your life to Jesus which means obeying him, walking with him, learning how he lived. And he he promises he will fill you with the Holy Spirit and you will become all that God intended for you to be. And you'll live a life of peace and a life of purpose. Yo, while we were at our worst, God was planning for our rescue plan and he sent Jesus here to live a life we could never live to die a death we deserve, to, to be raised from the dead so that we could be redeemed by his grace. And invited into a life of purpose. And, y'all, when our life of purpose is through, the gospel is that we will reign as kings and priests with Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth for all of eternity. We're not going to float on clouds wearing diapers. We're going to live in a very physical world the way that God intended it to be. What the Holy Spirit enables us to do is to live into that future life today today. That's what the kingdom of God coming is. you anywhere that God's will is done, God's kingdom has come. That's why he says that we should pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Y'all, my prayer for this church, and I believe that God has given y'all a specific anointing. I was over there praying. I, I believe that what we're gonna see is God's kingdom come in Fayetteville as it is in heaven. But it's not going to come through great worship services, although you'll have that. It's not going to come through Seth's incredible preaching, although he can do that. It's going to come through love. It's going to come through people who are willing to open their homes to kids nobody wants and to say God loves you and you have value and to join God in his mission of adoption and love. Yo, God, who knows what God calls you to do? God may not call you to do that, but, but I'll tell you this. If you live in the way that God's called you to live, people will ask you questions for which the gospel of Jesus is the only answer. That's my last point. The Holy Spirit enables us, empowers us to live in such a way that causes people to ask questions for which the gospel of Jesus is the answer. Acts 2.12, we're gonna close here. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. The Spirit empowers us to live this life through salvation But secondly, through transformation, you'll listen to me, you can do it. The the, the gospel is not just the minimum requirement to get into heaven. That's what I bought into. I got my get out of of hell free card, right? It is that, but the gospel is the power of God to transform your life today. So my question for you is, where do you need to be transformed? I'm gonna gonna read a quote to you and then we're gonna pray. John Stott says this. Listen, I I just have a real sense that somebody in here has given up on some area of your life. Like you believe you're never gonna beat it, you're never gonna be able to change. Look what John Stott says. He says, Can human nature be changed? Is it possible to make a sour person sweet, a proud person humble, or a selfish person unselfish? The Bible declares emphatically that these miracles can take place. It's part of the glory of the gospel. Christ offers to change not only our standing before God, but our very nature. This tremendous inward change is the work of the Holy Spirit. Have you received, this is the most important question I'm gonna ask you, Have you received that tremendous inward change? And if you haven't, you can today. We're not going to conjure it. It's not going to be some special crazy thing. We're just going to simply ask that the Holy Spirit would come. I've got two questions for you as we close. Is there anything that God's been highlighting for you as we've been going through this? The Holy Spirit, you may be a spirit filled believer but you're you're not willing to wait and you're rushing things. Second, maybe are are you not walking in the power of God? And third, are, are you living your life in such a way that causes people to ask questions for which the gospel is the answer? So two questions, what's God speaking to you? And if he's speaking to you, what are you gonna do about it? Let's pray. I would love to invite you to do this. Just hold your hands out in front of you if you're comfortable. Uh, This is just the international posture of receiving. And we're just gonna pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would come. And and here in a second, I believe that some of you in here, you're gonna be filled with the Spirit for the first time. You're gonna wake up tomorrow changed and different and walk into the power of the Spirit. So let's, let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us. We bless the work that you're trying to do in us. God, we invite it, we allow it. I just want you guys to take a few moments to just pray and reflect, maybe write a few things down. The the team's gonna play and then they're gonna invite you to stand to worship in a minute.